No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where Elisha's servant Gehazi secretly asks for gifts for himself from Naaman, the Syrian general, but it cost him greatly. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in 2 Kings chapter 5 on Simply the Bible. Life consists of accumulation and distribution. When we are young, we accumulate height, weight, and education. We accumulate possessions. And when we move from our parents' house, we accumulate an apartment or house. We accumulate a spouse and children. We accumulate career recognition and compensation. But as we grow older, we begin the distribution process where we lose stuff. First, we lose our hair. Then our children leave home so that we're empty nesters. Eventually, we retire from our jobs. We start to lose our flexibility, stamina, and health. Finally, we lose our lives. Pretty depressing, right? Only if you are living for this life only. If you are living for the kingdom of God, then as you lose temporal things, you realize you are gaining eternal things that are far more glorious than anything in this world. So why do I bring all this up? Naaman was a general from Syria who was a leper. He heard that there was a prophet in Israel who could heal him, so he came to Elisha loaded down with wealth. Elisha told him to dip seven times in the Jordan River. When Naaman did, he was cleansed of his leprosy. He went back to Elisha to thank him and to give him something, but Elisha would not accept any payment. We continue in 2 Kings 5.20. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Look, my master has spared Naaman, this Syrian, while not receiving from his hands what he brought. But as the Lord lives, I will run after him and take something from him. Gehazi had heart disease, not clogged arteries, but a heart that was not fully devoted to God. This condition began to show up earlier. When the Shunammite woman's son died and she came to Elisha falling at his feet and clinging to him, Gehazi tried to push her away. He showed no compassion. When Elisha gave him his staff and told him to lay it on the dead child's face, he obeyed, but nothing happened. Gehazi demonstrated a lack of spiritual power, and he didn't wrestle in prayer as Elisha did over the child. Now, Gehazi saw all the riches of Naaman and coveted them. You shall not covet is the tenth of the Ten Commandments. To covet is to desire something so much that you don't care whom you hurt to get it. But rather than admitting that he was coveting Naaman's wealth, Gehazi rationalized it. He thought that Elijah had been too easy on Naaman and that it was wrong for Naaman not to pay something for his healing. But Gehazi didn't consider that Elijah was teaching Naaman the valuable lesson of grace. If Naaman would have paid Elisha for his healing, then he would have thought that he got what he paid for. He would not have understood that salvation and healing come by grace alone. 
The truth was that Gehazi loved money, and he rationalized his attitude and his actions. He even took the Lord's name in vain. As the Lord lives, I will run after him and take something from him, he said. But Gehazi had no intention of surrendering his life to the Lord. So Gehazi pursued Naaman. When Naaman saw him running after him, he got down from the chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? And he said, All is well. My master has sent me, saying, Indeed, just now two young men of the sons of the prophets have come to me from the mountains of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of garments. Now let's consider the attitude of Naaman with Gehazi. Naaman had been the proud Syrian warrior. But now that he was cleansed, when he saw Gehazi running after him, he got down from his chariot and said, Is all well? Naaman was humbling himself, while Gehazi was exalting himself. I will never forget when I took my daughter, who was nine years old at the time, to an assisted living center. And there was a man there wearing a fishing hat who was a very hard man. I mean, every other word was a curse word. And I began to just share with him about the love of Jesus for him. And he said, oh, I could never be saved. And I said, yes, you can. Jesus paid it all for you. All you need to do is trust in him and he will save you. And and I was able to pray with him to receive the Lord. But then I noticed that his whole demeanor changed. And a a month later, I took my daughter back to see him and, and he was like a different man. Gone was the cursing words and he had such a tender spirit toward my daughter. And I think it was about a month after that that he passed away. But I was always impressed with just the change that came over him. A person who is truly born again does have a changed heart. And God takes away the stony heart, giving them a heart of flesh. Now consider Gehazi. His covetousness gave way to deceit. Elisha did not send him. And there was no needy prophets from Ephraim. When we sin... How often we try to cover our tracks with deceit. So Naaman said, please take two talents. And he urged him and bound two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of garments and handed them to two of his servants and they carried them on ahead of him. When he came to the citadel, he took them from their hand and stored them away in the house. Then he let the men go and they departed. Again, we see Naaman demonstrating a noble heart. He was happy to give, for he was grateful to be healed. Two talents of silver weigh about 75 pounds. It required two of Naaman's servants to carry the silver and the two changes of clothing. But of course, when Gehazi came to the city gate, he sent the men back to Naaman. He didn't want anybody asking questions. Gehazi then hid the goods in his house. The Bible says that whoever covers a transgression will not prosper. Now he went in and stood before his master Elisha, who said to him, Where did you go, Gehazi? And he said, Your servant did not go anywhere. Then he said to him, Did not my heart go with you when the man turned back from his chariot to meet you? Is it time to receive money and clothing and olive groves and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male and female servants? When Elisha asked Gehazi where he had been, Gehazi lied again. And of course, that's the problem with lying because once you tell one lie, then you have to tell more to cover up the previous ones. And then comes the come to Jesus moment of truth. Elisha said, 
Didn't I go with you when the man turned back from his chariot to meet you? Is it time to receive money, clothing, olive groves, vineyard, sheep, oxen, and servants? I'm sure Gehazi must have turned white at this point. You see, Elisha went beyond what Gehazi received from Naaman and read his mind. Gehazi wanted to use the silver to set himself up materially. That's the gift of knowledge at work in Elisha. When God exposes the things that we think are so well hidden. Hebrews 4.13 says, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Moses said, Be sure your sin will find you out. And in the end, nobody gets by with nothing because one day we'll give an account of ourselves before God. So we should consider carefully our thoughts, words, and actions. Therefore, the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and your descendants forever, said Elisha. And he went out from his presence, leprous as white as snow. Wow! As we pointed out before, leprosy is a type or a picture of sin. It starts small and ultimately corrupts the entire body. And sin does the same thing. Several times in scripture, a person became leprous as the result of judgment from God. The disease shows on the outside what was happening on the inside. Not only did Gehazi become a leper, but also his descendants would be leprous. What a terrible price to pay for greed. Scaly skin, white as snow would be Gehazi's compensation for his covetousness. How we need to beware of all kinds of greed. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Accumulating wealth is not a sin, but greed is idolatry, for it is loving money more than loving God. Chapter 6. And the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See now, the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Please let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there and let us make there a place where we may dwell. So he answered, Go. Then one said, Please consent to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. In contrast to Gehazi's greed was the noble ambition of these young prophets. God had blessed their seminary where Elisha was a teacher. They outgrew their facility, so they wanted to build a bigger one. Now, how many college students do you know who build a bigger college with their own hands? They went to the Jordan River, where evidently there were trees, and their plan was to cut down the trees so that each one could bring back a beam. Elisha said, do it! But they replied, please come with us. This shows the love they had for their instructor. Elisha agreed to go probably because he loved watching his students serving the Lord together. But as one was cutting down a tree, 
the iron axe head fell into the water and he cried out and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. So the man of God said, where did it fall? Then he showed him the place. So he cut off a stick and threw it in there and he made the iron float. Therefore, he said, pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and took it. Evidently, it was common for the head to fly off the handle when swinging an axe, for Moses even gave a law about it. When the head flew off the axe, the young man saw the area where it went, but the Jordan River is muddy and it could not be seen. And to make matters worse, it was a borrowed axe, probably because he was a poor college student and iron tools were expensive. Now, Elisha could have said, well, it's no big deal. Why trouble me with such trivial things? Instead, Elisha demonstrated his compassionate heart toward this student and intervened. Now, obviously, it was a miracle because iron axe heads just don't float. So when Elisha threw his stick into the water, the axe head came up to the surface and the young man grabbed it. It was a practical miracle, but it demonstrates God's concern with the so-called little things of our lives. And that's why we are encouraged not to be anxious about anything, but to pray about everything. God cares about the details of your life. It's true, accumulation is a fact of life, but there are good ways and bad ways to go about it. Just remember that whatever you accumulate in this world, you will one day leave behind. That's why Jesus tells us to accumulate in heaven where there's no loss and no trouble. You've been listening to Simply the Bible. The Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Next time, we'll see where Elisha warns the king of Israel about Syrian raids. When the king of Syria tries to arrest Elisha, God supernaturally protects him and his servant. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of 2 Kings on Simply the Bible.